Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. We're doing a little two-parter. We didn't even plan to do a two-parter, but here we are, Marjorie. Well, I think it's so funny because when we finished the podcast last week, you're like, we didn't even get to half of what I wanted to talk about because we really (laughs) did just have a bit of a moding. We emoted a lot. But today we're going to give you some good information with it's a lot very of emotion. true. Yes, as we talk about kind of supplementing your home with help. I had a lot of messages from people who listened to last week's podcast who were talking about just feeling that similar pull of feeling like you should be able to take care yep. of everything, but feeling like you're not taking care of everything. And then the guilt that comes with asking for help and getting help and all of those sort of emotions that swirl around with it. And so, hey, Nesters, we're glad that it resonated with you. It sure did. I got some messages, too. And I was thinking about this, Elizabeth. So I collect retro homekeeping books because I find them hysterical. And it's interesting when you read those books about homemaking, and this is before women were in full force in the workforce. And there was one of them. I'll find it for a future podcast. I may have read it before where they talk about like basically to settle your nerves, like settle your nerves. Don't be so nervous about everything. Make systems, make sure that you wash the rugs on one day and wash the windows on the next. And I'm thinking, holy God, if women back in the- This is why women were drinking in the closet. Exactly. But if women in the fifties were having to settle their nerves about keeping a nice home, women who are working outside the home and working in the home, we ought to be insane. You know what I mean? It's like, we have so much more on our plate. But we have the freedom to do it. And I think that's a different blessing is we have the freedom to yeah. do it where women in the 50s, I think, were drinking in the closet because they felt very boxed in. And we don't have yeah. to feel that. It is totally true because if you're home full time, which is no small feat, no. you are um, you at least have the comfort of knowing that you can at the end of the day, if you're like, I'm a broken down person, <laughs> which you might be. Right. All of us are. Right. You have the option to go, OK, I could theoretically figure something else out. You know, I could probably move in another direction. That being said, it wasn't that option then. So, okay, when we talk about getting help, what we really wanted to discuss last week that we didn't even get to because we got so wrapped up in the emotions of it all was (laughs) I felt like the first step was just admitting that you need help. And I think it is important to find people who support you in that and can kind of help you feel good about that. That was a big turning point for me was just hearing multiple people say, what are you doing? You need to make a change. And if for some reason it was, it was helping me. Well, I think what's, what's interesting about you, I mean, you and I are very different personalities and what I love about what you do is you do talk to your girlfriends a lot about what's going on with you. Yeah. And I never, I never did. I'm 
incredibly, incredibly private in that sense. And when I went to therapy in, I think I was 49, when I went into like serious, like I got some things to take care of. Um, (laughs) He, he, that was one of the things he said is you need girlfriends. You need to be able to talk out some things with people because you're just bottling it all up. And then you just get into that really dangerous circular thinking. And I think what you were saying last week when I thought was really important was the idea that you ask your girlfriends, hey, I'm having trouble. I need advice. What? How, how did you go about doing what you're doing? And I think that's a really key thing for anybody who's in the midst of raising young children. I mean, I think friends, and this is what I have learned, is friends are a wonderful thing. And yeah. But I think particularly when you're raising your children of having really honest, authentic relationships. I mean, I had friends, certainly, when I was raising my children. It's just I didn't really ever use them in that way of talking through bigger problems. And and I think yeah. that's really the, that's the key to an authentic friendship. And I think that's how you get through all the child rearing years. So I thought that was really it's- cool. It is helpful. And I think then you can also lean on them. We have kind of, I have like a set of friends where we all kind of have young kids, but there's a few of them that had kids that are now like 10 or 11. Perfect. And then there's the range of us that, ha- so they've got like 10 and 11 down to five. And then the others of us have like six right. down to babies, you know? So that's sort of, we sort of did like the kid thing in two waves. So I was asking them a lot of questions about how to like find someone that you want to have in your home and then how to structure it. So one thing that I sort of found, especially this round, you know, we've had a lot of babysitters through our child care center. We'll have them babysit on the weekends right. because they will work part time at the child care center and then come and babysit. And that's been really good. And then we'll, we also have friends at some of my husband's friends or golf buddies, then their kids have babysat for us. And then of course we also have help from our parents. And what's different about this current arrangement though, is that we were able to really start from scratch with someone, meet them for this particular purpose. So really set up like, what do we need out of someone who's going to come into our home And then set an expectation from the beginning. And the relationship is based on filling that need. There's no other elements of the relationship. And I have found, we're a few weeks into this current nanny situation, but also I've talked with this about my sister who's in kind of that same realm too. That's been very helpful to, it seems like a great idea to like have a friend or have like a family friend's daughter or something like Mm -hmm. that or son or whatever. But I don't, I don't know if you want to go that way when it comes to a nanny. How do you feel about that? Well, I think there's a difference between, and I would separate the language of a babysitter and a caregiver. So mm-hmm. a babysitter, we had babysitters all along the way. You know, same thing as you, friends with older kids would come by. We had a, we had a, one of our friend's daughters was, I think, 13 and the boys were seven and five, you know, and yeah. so it was like, it was fine. It was she was literally just sitting there and making sure that they were going to be okay. Yeah, the that they didn't, like, just hit each other or right. roll, roll you, off of something. You're babysitting. <laughs> and I was a, you and I have talked about this. Both of us made a ton of money when we were young girls babysitting. It's all yeah. I did on Friday and Saturday night. I always had tons right. of ones. I had tons of cash. But there's a difference between that because as a babysitter, I would go to somebody's house. I would eat their food. I would watch TV with the kids. You know, it wasn't, I was not concerned at 14 with their well-being. 
in terms of like, what kind of adult are you going to turn into? Do you know your alphabet? You know, I wasn't doing that. Caregivers are a different story if they're going to be spending a lot of times with your kids, because I think really it's to say it's surrogate parenting is a little too much, but it's Mm -hmm. as close to you can get to that as possible. When I would leave my kids with, we had a variety of sort of caregivers. We had a full-time nanny. We had an au pair. And then we had a nanny again that lived with us for a a bit. And, you know, she was really me when I wasn't there. And so I had to find somebody who was kind of close to my personality type. I wanted somebody who was kind of fun. Not saying that I'm super fun, but you know what I mean? You don't want somebody that's going to be completely different than you. You want somebody that's going to sort of fit in with sort of the family dynamic. And Mm -hmm. that's different when you have a caregiver as opposed to a babysitter. Babysitter doesn't matter. As long as they're responsible, it's just they're coming for a Friday night. It's no big deal. But I think once you really invite somebody in for that long-term relationship, because what your hope is is that they stay with you a couple of years, I think it's really important that you have sort of a higher standard for who they are, who they are going to be within the family, and that the relationship is defined exactly as you said, very clearly. I think you're right. And I think defining expectations and defining responsibilities really early, you know, because for me, it was, this is the situation that we're in. I mean, we have we have childcare mainly just for Bernie is what, where we're at this summer. Yeah. And I, I need that, but even more so I need help with things around our house. Yeah. So I needed, I very clearly defined this job as, and this was all on my therapist, help me outline this of that. It is something where it is not only just hanging out with Bernie and spending time with her, but it's also, some errands. It's also laundry folding. It's also watering the garden, you know, just like sort of a list of different things that need to be done throughout the time. And I need some of that weight taken off of me. And when you establish that relationship at the beginning, when you're putting a job post together and you're saying, I'm looking for someone who will be able to spend time with our six-year-old and, and basically be like a household assistant, that then you you just like everybody's coming into that relationship with that expectation that right. this is what it is. You're looking for a wife. Verse, exactly. You're looking for a sister wife. You need to hire yourself a sister wife, but you don't want them to do like the Ben Affleck yeah. thing, which is like he slept with a nanny. No, he did not. That's not ideal. Yeah, that's why he and Jennifer Garner broke up. Okay. Because he you, slept with a nanny. You better be right about that. I'm 100% right about this, Marjorie. Not only am I right about it on... In the way that uh, I've read about, I know, I'm just telling you, I know a lot about this. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I'm just going to stop right there and say, I know a lot about this. And that's exactly what happened. He had an affair with the nanny. Yeah. You, you want to be careful with that one. You know, it's, it's when I, um, when I was traveling a lot, so I was working in Chicago and we had moved to Atlanta. And so that makes a very complicated care situation because I would fly out on Monday morning and come back, I think either Thursday night or Friday morning. And it wasn't every week, but, but those things would pop up. And so I would have to get to Chicago. So my sister had always had au pairs. So we thought, oh, we'll try that because that way she's, yeah. she's kind of always there. And Ian's schedule was kind of crazy. And so we had got a Spanish au pair who was quite curvaceous, quite lovely, actually. <laughs> And all of my girlfriends were like, 
what the hell are you doing? (laughs) That seems like a dangerous situation right there. And it could have been, thank God my husband is loyal and true and wonderful. That could have been, because if you think about it, I was leaving for weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, but, But when you talk about job expectation, that was one of the things I think that's most important to having that be a really good long-standing relationship, which is, which is what you want with your kids. Cause it's, it's nice when they can have another person come into their life and actually be a person of importance to them. And I think For if sure. you don't define that at the get go, it's so hard. We, we mentioned this a little bit last week, but it's so hard to do that in retrograde. Like it's so hard yeah, to go yes. back and say, Oh, you know, you, you thought you were just going to care for my daughter, but you know what? I really need you to do the laundry. I really need you to like, make sure the kitchen's picked up when I get home. I right. really need, you right. can't, it, you, it's impossible. It's um, hard. Yeah. Because yeah. then you've set up sort of the expectation of what the job is. That's why I think it's so important to do that ahead of time. And frankly, it's, it's an odd thing to me that we would expect like an, a regular nanny when, when, okay, if you're the mother mm-hmm. and you're home with your children, or if you're the father, I don't know, whatever. I guess maybe Jay doesn't do this as much as I do. But when I'm with my children and taking care of them, right. I'm doing laundry. I'm doing dishes. Oh, yeah, I'm circling. I'm cleaning up. I'm doing all sorts of things that manage the house in addition to parenting. Why would you not expect the same thing from right. a nanny who's coming in to fill that role? You know, acting like you have to hire this person to only 100% obsess over your children, I don't think is really that healthy for the children. And it's certainly not, it's not relieving the 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 workload for you and the pressure for you. And so then are you able to be a better parent? I mean, I don't think so. My sister now has a nanny for her four kids this summer from nine to three, and she is doing, she's working from home. Oh, she has to have somebody to help her. So she, right. And she hasn't always, she's, she worked and then she didn't she then she stayed home and then she's been doing some work for her husband's company and right. like filling a role that's very much needed with him she was you know she was a buyer she's like business wizard right so she so he needs her to do this and it's like very beneficial for them for her to do this she then they needed the help this summer and she texted the other day and she was just like i cannot believe this she's like i have this nanny from nine to three. And at the end, I want, I'm excited to see my children. I'm excited to spend time with them. I'm not just waiting for bedtime. She's like, this is completely life changing for me. And so, but it is, you have to have, you have to think through what is going to lighten the load for you. And I don't think just keeping your children alive is the lightening of the load. I mean, there are all (laughs) sorts of other things that have to lighten the load, you know, like I need someone to go get the flipping dog food, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that you can do. And then it also encourages like your children to be part of like, this is how we all work together to keep this ship going. Right. And I think that's, that's the big thing. And I think that's one of the things we always stressed when, when the boys were growing up is everything's a team effort and everything, even when somebody was somebody else was in the home caring for them if she was doing the laundry or she's doing whatever, I always, my expectation was always that the kids would help. Um, mm-hmm. And they helped a lot with cleaning. Like if, cause I did most of the cleaning and they would, they were pretty good helpers. And I think in terms of what you're saying though, I think that was my biggest problem. And I know there are people out there who swear by au pairs. I did not have a great experience, but I only had one. My yeah. sister had au pairs for many years and had 
wonderful relationships with them, so much so that they have flown to Europe for their au pair's weddings. And so I can see it from here of what a sort of a fruitful, wonderful, dimensional relationship that could be. I just didn't have the effort or the time to try it again. The first one just went so poorly that it was like, I can't, I can't get my head around doing it again. The stakes are too high. I can't do this. But the other issue for with me was that a lot of the young women that were coming over, and I had friends that had au pairs, they want to get to America. They're, you know, just to be here for a while. They're young and to party and to sort of experience those things. That that was the big issue with a lot of them is there's a lot of partying that goes on. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the issue for me is just that idea that the kids were the afterthought. They were not the primary thought of why she wanted to be here. And yeah. so that was a weird – that was a weird – and certainly you you can't ask them because you don't pay them a lot either. So you can't ask them to – and I wouldn't think of it – to do cleaning or anything else. So exactly what you're saying I sort of lived out is I had someone that made sure relatively that my kids were safe, although we had a couple of episodes where they weren't. So that mm-hmm. wasn't great. But that was the bar. That was all she was to do, and she didn't even do that particularly well. And all of that other stuff still existed. And so it wasn't a good system for me, but I but I know lots of people were really happy with that situation. I was much happier when I had somebody in our house who very much wanted to be with us, who very much liked being a, sort of a part of our family in that sense, and was so helpful. And that worked better for us. I think you're, you know, I've heard mixed reviews too. I know some people who absolutely love it. Like I know families who just would never, they love the au pair thing so much. And then I have a friend who had a couple of au pairs, one who was with them for a very long time, who I think still works with them, even though she's gotten married and everything. But she said there were times when it felt like she was not only parenting her kids, but she was also parenting a 19 year old. Oh yeah. So that part can get hard so my, I think my old pair lost those kind of expectations twice. my old pair lost oh, guard twice oh my gosh mm-hmm. well gar is a nimble fellow I mean you know he's quick like a rabbit <laughs> that is true and was then was then was so, then still, still is, is now I'm yeah, sure yeah. okay so the interview process I think is something interesting to talk about too I really think it is important to have both parents part of the interview process and I say this because I think both both parents need to be on board with whoever you're bringing into your home and equally as excited about that person. What do you think about that? 100%. Yeah. Because you just can't have a situation where if things go south for any reason or any circumstance that the other partner is going to look at you and say, what have you done? Yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm, That's... I'm not speaking about death or anything like that. I'm just saying... There are lots of things that can go wrong. It needs to be a mutual decision, 100%. Yeah. It totally, totally does. And then I got some really good advice from a couple of my friends that I wanted to share with you. What do you think about that? Do you feel good? Yes. So when I was originally just like getting stuff set up, I texted my girlfriends. Now, keep in mind, one of my girlfriends had to fire a nanny because she literally saw the nanny on a camera pouring a cocktail for herself at 7.30 in the morning with her children when she was taking care of her children and had to, like, fly into a full-out emergency mode to oh my um, God. fire this woman. I mean, it was, like, very, very bad. 
So there are some like in my in my text group with my friends. It's like to make sure they don't they know they can't drink in the morning. <laughs> you know, just wow. Would have assumed I wouldn't have to say that, but I guess right. assumptions are yeah. bad. So yeah, one yeah, my friend who said just make oh. it clear that gin and OJ at seven a.m. is a no go. Is what she said. Oh my God. Um, but she said there are some things to really discuss, like time off, holidays, screen time, expectations. And then things that come up with friends, snacks, and discipline. This one, my friend Anne, I thought, had some really good advice. She said she put together a binder with general schedule for the kids, food, snack options, activities, and emergency numbers, which was really helpful. So I actually put together for our nanny not only just like a couple sheets on with like just a, a home base for her of Like the garage code, you know, like all those kinds of things, emergency contacts, like what to do if there's allergy exposure. I was really impressed when we did nanny interviews. I had multiple nannies, potential nannies ask when I said, do you have any questions? And they asked about food allergies or intolerances. That was like something that was really on their radar. I was really impressed with that, including who we hired. And so I put like this little binder together of things like that. And then I also did for her a calendar. I actually mapped out the entire summer on oh, a Google calendar and that I printed out. Yeah, because it's totally helping with my sanity where I knew like Bernie has certain camps and things that she's That's doing great. in the mornings. So like all the, and we and we were starting our nanny before Bernie was done with school. So the hours have been kind of like inconsistent. Right. But then, and every week something has changed on the calendar. But that being said, we have like this starting point. And our nanny texted me after she came over to meet the kids and go through the calendar. And she texted me and she said, thank you so much for being so organized with this. This like really helps me to have all of this. I can imagine. So I think, you know, just a reminder that not only does it, I know it's like a little bit of work on the front end, but when you have it sort of, especially for a summer person, when you kind of have it laid out and then you have that stuff done on the front end, it can not only make you feel just like a weight off of your shoulders because you've got this arranged, but it allows that person to do a better job because they really understand what they're in for. So I I found that to be really helpful. I think that's fabulous because I think too, it's easy to be sort of obsessed with your own life and issues and schedules and forget that that person who's coming into your home to help you also has a life. Yes. That has that should know, be respected. That should be respected and yeah. None of us likes working for I think I know I have many years ago worked for a really disorganized woman right. who used to come to work at 11:30 cuz she wasn't a morning person. Oh yeah. Which meant everybody had to stay later because that's when she was revving up. And oh, everybody so resented that because it was such a it was such a lack of respect for other people's lives and just the ability to empathize with everybody else has stuff going on. And I think sometimes, especially with part-time nannies or part-time help or summer girls, it's easy to think, oh, this is all about, I'm not saying this with you, Elizabeth, you're exactly yeah. the opposite, but it's easy, I think, to just get sort of caught up and thank God you're here. Just yeah, go with the flow with me. And I may have been yeah. guilty of that a little bit. Because I don't ever remember writing out a schedule in that way. And I look back and I think I probably could have been a better partner with whoever was coming into the home. Just It's helpful. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. It is. 
It is helpful. My friend Antu mentioned deciding if you pay for time they take off or time you take off. Oh. That you that having that planned ahead of time. My kind of plan is always like if we canceled on her last minute, we would still pay her. Right. But if we like make a change and adjust things in advance or she takes the day off in advance, then we don't. Right. But that's something important to talk about. Um, so you already talked she, about that with her. We yes, yeah. Oh, all that's that great. stuff. We discuss um, this one, too, uh, that my friend said, expectations on house cleaning dishes, toys. She said, our first summer nanny left all the dishes on the stove and table, and our house was always a mess. <gasps> she said, I feel like it's a no-brainer, but we had to discuss general picking up with kids' involvement and at least having dishes in the sink. Yeah. It can help to have a flexible schedule that has cleanup time in it. If you have a self-motivated person, it probably doesn't matter. But having that discussion about how you want things left. And for us, it's just like she jumps in and it empties the dishwasher. She folds right. la laundry, like cool. all those kinds of things, having that discussion, because the expectation is that, you know, you're hiring someone to do the job that you need them to do. That being said, I mean, I'm like, if, if she takes Bernie and they're out and doing something all day and then they get home and not all the laundry's folded, like, that's fine. You know, right. she'll do more the next day. It's not. Right. You're not super rigid. The world. Well, I'm going right. through this a little bit right now. I have a, I have CNAs that come for an hour a day, six days a week for my mom. So my mom makes a list because it's good for her memory and she wants to live independently. So it's a list of what has to be done in the morning, every morning. And it's as simple yeah. as they get help, get her dressed. They make her bed. She kind of does it with them. They load any dishes from the dinner the night before into the dishwasher. They run the dishes and they fold the laundry. And they can yeah. actually do most of that in an hour, but it's an expectation. And now they come and, and it's done. And it's just that little bit that when I go over at like 10 o'clock, I don't have to do the dishes. <laughs> no, yeah. that seems like such a small thing, but it's like they're not my yep. dishes. So it's yeah. like, it's just nice to have that little bit of help. But it was all sort of, ex the expectation was there and they've been wonderful and they can do it in an hour. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. I think managing those expectations is really important. And I think boundaries are another thing too. I, I also thought I, I'm trying to be really conscious of like even managing boundaries with her, with like not texting her about stuff outside of her working hours. Well, I, you know, we had a little, we had like a little situation where I was arranging like a play date with another parent and then they her nanny started texting our nanny oh. and it was happening the night before and I just said to, I like apologized to our nanny and I said you know I'm going to manage those boundaries because you shouldn't have to be planning Bernie's next day when it's eight o'clock at night when right. you're not working you know like oh, that's not how that. it works and I think it's important to manage those kinds of boundaries yeah um and understanding, like, when you're going to communicate about things. Because think about it. Like, I'm her boss, right? Yeah. So if my boss was texting me random things at 10 p.m. about work, I would get mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't – unless it's, like, an emergency situation and they need something. Right. But, you know, if it's, like, consistently making them make decisions about things that involve work when they're not in the working hours, I don't think that's fair to do to someone. So, Oh, I love that. And you know, what's being conscious of those types of boundaries too. What's interesting to me about that is I think what we're, what you're talking about is treating her like a professional. And yeah. I think this has sort of been the problem with childcare, homekeeping in general is those jobs have always sort of been marginalized and diminished in terms right. of their importance because when we would do it, because we were stay-at-home moms, 
we didn't get paid. And because there right. was no money attached to it, it's I think there's a lot of it's for a long time it's been looked at not as a less than thing, but not as a professional thing. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. And I think mm-hmm. what's interesting is when you bring somebody into your home, if you treat it properly, just as you're talking about it, that this is a job, she's 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 now a professional because she's getting paid to do it, that it should be treated that way. And I think yeah. I think a lot of people and I can't remember if I did this, but I think it would be easy for a lot of people to be like, oh, it's fine that the nannies are texting each other late at night or whatever. That's great. It's just because it's just kind of go with the flow. But that right. just there's a lot of bleed to that in the sense of like how much of that do you get to do where it starts to feel like you're not treating her like the professional that she is. And I know we're talking about students or we're talking about young women, but I think but it, it, that's yeah, that's important still, though. I, I do. I th- feel like that's especially important that we elevate what we what we're asking of them by treating it as a profession, even though that may yeah. not be what she does 10 years from now. But if they're doing it and they're getting paid for it, it is a job and it should be treated with that kind of respect. That's good. It totally should be. It to- and, and just think about, like, the vibe that you're putting out there then. I mean, that's how you want to be treated by your boss. Yep. And I think we're in this world where everybody can communicate with everyone all the time. It doesn't mean that you should communicate with right. everybody all the time. It means that I think if you want certain boundaries, I, there's there's a bit of a principled thing where right, right. it's the principle of the matter where if th- that's how we want people to be treated and I kind of think I want to set I also look at it as an opportunity to like set young women up yep. to be strong employees and to be strong communicators and to you know negotiate for what they want and to feel good expressing their boundaries and having confidence in that that's I have great. a lot of respect for that and I think that they that they deserve that and I, I don't know. I, I love I just, that. And even like with the payment, I always, I think that that people will be like, oh, you don't have to pay my kid to do that or oh, something. No, 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 and no, I'm no. like, yes, they do. Yeah. Someone does need to pay. You know, if you ask like a neighbor kid to water your plants for a week when you're on vacation, like you don't have to pay them $500, but right. you need to pay them something. Like. Well, that what? is part of, like, your societal responsibility is part, being part of a community, I think. One of the greatest gifts I got when I was a teenager is I, I was living in a high-rise by them with my parents, and the two – there was this wonderful couple across the way, and they would have me take care of their cats when they would travel. So they'd be yeah. gone for two weeks, and they would pay me $20 a day. And this is like in 1982. Holy buckets. That's a great deal. Yeah, but you know what? I would take 20 bucks a day to take care of a cat. Yeah, it was a great deal. But it was exactly what you said. It was their generosity. It was sort of passing it forward. They were grateful to have their cats not have to be boarded. So, right. you know, it was just, it was just, but it was so, it was just a lovely, lovely thing. I was going to tell you, Elizabeth, I just had the funniest thought when you were saying, you know, the nanny texting the other nanny and and I think I just said I'm trying to remember if that ever happened and you know what I realized Elizabeth there were no cell phones when my kids no, were this of course age. not there were I know, no but cell isn't phones. that a weird feeling it's like I of know. course it didn't happen there were no phones and the cell phone boundary is something that you <laughs> yeah. really have to navigate my yeah. friend mentioned too having a conversation about when it's appropriate to use their cell phone you know we were oh. um she said she said that if they're a pool, they have like you know, like they yeah. have a pool they belong to, like a community pool they belong to, and she said 
that she will go there with the kids and she so, sees so many nannies sitting there on their phones. Yeah. Like oh, they sit bad. there on the side on their phones while the kids are in the pool. And, and oh, so having no. a conversation about that is really important too. It's, I think a lot of it is kind of thinking about those little things and managing the expectation up front instead of having to deal with the conflicts later is so much better. And so it's always the work on the front end that saves you time and energy and angst on the back end. And I, I will say this to all of the mothers out there. I don't really believe in sort of a snitch culture, but I am forever grateful to a friend of mine who called me to tell me that my au pair was sleeping at the pool. Yeah. Yeah. When my kids were at the pool with her. And mm-hmm. luckily, it was a community pool, just like that's a lot of neighborhood moms and things. And so my kids were being watched by other people. And right. um, that was the beginning of the end. But yeah, that's, but I mean, that I think is it's what okay. Happens. I think it's okay in sort of the village that you create that we all sort of watch out for each other's kids and sort of note if something not cool is happening. I'm uncomfortable so saying true. that, but I was always so grateful because I know that was probably an uncomfortable for, call from a friend of mine. But mm-hmm. at the same time, please, you want to know, like, <laughs> if the yeah. sleeping at the pool, that's not cool. Yeah, you're totally right. It's good stuff. I think this is helpful stuff, Marjorie. You I know, hope so. it really helped me to sort of like crowdsource some of this and hearing your um, opinions and how it all worked. And, um, and I think, you know, the final thing is too, just remembering that it evolves and what you need from someone evolves. You're not going to have this level of intensity forever. But for me, the bottom line is like, if you don't, if you don't like how you are being as a mom or how you're feeling as a mom or like the time that you're having with your family, I know it's a luxury to be able to get help, but there are all sorts of things that you can do to adjust those stressors and it's worth it to look at them. It's worth it to look and look at the options of how could I get help with this? How could I simplify this so that I am not going to look back at the time when my kids are little, you're always going to look back and think, boy, that was hard. You're in the thick of it. You know, so many parents like older parents say to me, oh my gosh, you're totally in the thick of it. But I at least want to look back and feel like, yeah, I was in the thick of it, but I also got to soak it up. And I think, too, summer is really a difficult time, especially especially for couples that are both working outside of the home. What do you do when you don't have traditional childcare during the year? What mm-hmm. do you suddenly pick up in the summer? And it could be a very expensive time for yeah. childcare as well. And so if you have fewer resources, it was funny, in the neighborhood I lived in in Atlanta – I had such a good group of mothers there, and we all belonged to different churches. And so we would send our kids to all of the vacation Bible schools. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so our kids all played together anyway. So they would go to, you know, the Episcopal, and then they go to the Catholic one, and then they go to. And so good. You could fill up a couple of, you know, a couple of summer mornings. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't solve everything, but there are resources. I think if you mm-hmm. have limited means, there are resources that you can use. And I would say, Elizabeth, you and I have had a lot of conversations about organized religion and our feelings about it. I grew up Catholic. We're not going to talk about like how we feel necessarily about organized religion. But I will say, finding a, a community 
outside of necessarily just a, a bunch of girlfriends, finding yeah. a community if you're if you're predisposed that way or you feel overwhelmed, there are so many wonderful churches, there really are, that can sort of be another net and can be another mm-hmm. resource if you're feeling overwhelmed. Even if it's just a matter of you wanted to go to church on Sunday and it meant that you could put your kids in Bible school so that you could sit and meditate for an hour. You know, there yeah. are sorts of things that you can do that, that don't necessarily require money, but you might find some extra support and friendships that you that may have been unexpected or not. Takes a village. It takes it a village. Does. It really does. It certainly does. There you go. Well, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.